0: Welcome back to Warriors Den. This is a blog post series. It is going to be on a series I wrote called Kramaga Styles. A discussion going over uh, military versus police and security versus civilian styles. Quote of Kramaga, and uh, you might say, "Hey, Kramaga is all the same, but it depends. What school do you go to?" what's their background, what's their organization, et cetera. So this is sort of a discussion. I'll talk a little bit about history, loose history, of course, in this podcast as well. But first, our sponsors are, well, Urban Tactics, if that wasn't clear already. Um, if you like this podcast and you like our blog and you like what we're putting out there, you can always support us. A good way to do that, if you are not in the Metro Vancouver area, is you go to com and click on the Support Us tab. And you can simply make a donation if you like. We much appreciate those who do. Um, but we understand how people like something, don't like to get something for nothing, even though the content we're providing is something, I know how the human mind works. So if you want to get something a little more, you can always go to our training platform. It's still a work in progress, although I did add... Uh, firearm safety videos. They're on the free section at utkmu.com. Again, there's a free section which is limited at the moment because I'm only one person and divide my time on a whole bunch of stuff. Um, But I did add that free section on basic firearm safety, so that's there now. So utkmu.com. And of course, if you want to get a paid membership, you can get access to our beginner and novice curriculum the advanced stuff is still being worked through so again that will go up when it goes up covid is not helping with that uh you can also on that same page utkinblog.com forward slash support us you can click on some affiliate links to some products i use uh i'm probably gonna add some more i got some uh supplements and coffee and then a bunch of books i recommend i need to add more to that list but of course if you're gonna gonna buy any of those stuff of Use our affiliate links. That would be much appreciated. And, of course, if you're in the metro Vancouver area at a time when we don't have insane government restrictions, uh, if you didn't realize this is being recorded during phase, no, quote, wave three of of the pandemic. So there's uh, still restrictions in place, but uh, we are allowed to do private lessons. If you would like to do those, you can do them with me. I much prefer and recommend that you do it with a housemate or a friend or someone in your bubble. For a variety of reasons, it will be better for all parties. You can contact us at info at com if you wanted to schedule that. And of course, when things get back, back to normal, you can come to our normal classes if you're in the Metro Vancouver area, of course. So again, support us, support me and my other instructors, and I can continue providing Great content. I would love to bring uh, some of them to help me more, but you know, limited time and money. So, the more you support us, the more we can do. So, this is again a blog post series of Krav Maga styles. So, let's move forward. You're listening to The Warriors Warriors Day, brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions. So I thought I would start with just sort of a loose intro. This is off of our website, uh, urbantacticscam.com, so you know. Uh, and I'm going to go over just what it is is what we think at least and uh or what I think. We I I'm always interchanging these things. Um and then a little bit about Emmy uh, Lechtenfeld's history and a, a little bit more, just to set up the context of sort of where it comes from. Uh, I'm not an expert on uh, Krav Maga history, so there is possibility that some of it is incorrect to a degree. I'm not sure. So if you are listening and, and know to want to correct it, you can always contact us. Uh, oh, I did forget. Don't forget about our social media, Urban Tactics Kramagan on, on Instagram. Urban Tactics Cam Twitter, or Urban Tactics Kramaga on uh, Facebook. So anyways, I mean, like, just, yeah, so I was saying if you know more about history, there are some great resources, but a lot of the stuff in Hebrew hasn't been translated. Uh, I haven't read the book or something, so uh, my Hebrew garbage, so I may have gotten some things, but so it's just sort of a general overview. Again, if you want to correct the information, feel free to message us, and I'd love to do a full-on history one. That would be great. So anyways. This is off of our website. What is Kramaga? Kramaga is a practical and effective system which teaches an individual how to prevent and overcome all manner of violence and attacks in the real world where there are no mats, no rings, and no rules. Starting with critical thinking and situational awareness. Just to pause there, critical thinking is something I really emphasize because it's the basis of first principle approach to anything. Situ- situational awareness. Is a much more karma god thing. If you're not paying attention, you're going to get caught off guard. Um, but you can't, if you don't have critical thinking, it doesn't matter if you're paying attention, you can't make good decisions. Anyways, continuing, it builds from the simplest, most effective techniques that work for most people most of the time. It retrains your nervous system to have the fastest, most effective response when you are under the stress of a violent physical confrontation. While also teaching you to be calm, applying controlled aggression and strategy, it not only develops your ability to handle unarmed self defense scenarios, it also builds proficiency in armed ones. Kramaga is a system with a unique and logical approach. It is easy to learn and retain. With easily performed natural and intuitive movements, it is very practical to use under stressful conditions as the moves are built off the normal, untrained reactions that people generally have. The techniques employ the quickest, simplest movements and often use aggressive and su- aggression and surprise to simultaneously defend an attack. Kramaga prepares individuals to function in all circumstances and scenarios in all combat and fighting environments. According to this, their needs and risks they may face on the job or in life. Kramaga helps individuals develop tactical, physical, and mental awareness and encourages constant growth and improvement. Krav is not a martial art in its traditional sense. It is menta- it's a mentality and a self-defense system. There are no competitions. It is meant for real life, and it teaches you how to survive so that you can go home to your family. It is the simplest, most effective form of self-defense in the world. So Remember, it's a strategy. And an approach and a way of thinking about things. The techniques are drawn from all over the place, wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, Kali, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, and they cut out all the nonsense and competition stuff and just put in the highest percentage stuff. Right, Which means that strategically, how you approach police, military, Krav Maga, so, uh, civilian teaching is going to be different because the needs, time frames, uh, etc. are all going to be different. And, I'll, and I'll talk about that as well. So let me just talk about Emil Lichtenfeld. So uh, he, I use the term, he's the modern founder of Krav Maga. And the reason I do that is because Krav Maga was, or hand-to-hand combat, I should say, the term Krav Maga wasn't used at the time. Hand to hand combat was in Israel prior to his arrival uh, in, the forum, in the Haganah and the Palmach, the uh, paramilitary groups. Uh, they often refer to it as Kapop, uh, Krav Panim Al Panim, which is hand to hand combat essentially. The term Kramaga came up later on, though the specifics I'm not exactly sure. But the w- regardless of whether you want to debate about the origins of Kramaga, who came up with what, kind of irrelevant because the fact that Imi became the head of IDF hand-to-hand combat training and physical fitness, and that sort of solidified a lot of the methodology. And everyone was just learning in the military for years and years until later on. But let me just read again. This is off of our website. It may need to be updated, so if there's anything incorrect, please send uh, us the information. Uh, So, the man, the legend, the history, Imi Lichtenfeld. Imi, or Stay-Or is his name, uh, nickname was, is credited with opening the first public school for Kramaga and is the main reason that Krav Maga is what is today. While a slightly different style called Kapop was being created in the then Mandate of Palestine by earlier Jewish resettlers uh, and resistance groups, we consider Imi the founder of modern Krav Maga. He was born in 1910 in Budapest, Hungary, or uh, Bratislava, uh, At the the time, was one of the centers of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. He grew up in in Bratislava, the capital of Slovakia, in a home where sports, law, and Central European education were equally respected. Samuel Lichtenfeld, Imi's father, was undoubtedly quite a unique figure. At age 13, he joined a traveling circus and for the next 20 years, engaged in wrestling, weightlifting, and various demonstrations of strength. For Samuel, the circus was also a school where he met people involved in a wide variety of sports, including some quite unusual ones. These people taught Samuel what they know, including a variety of martial arts. With his father's encouragement, Imi became active in a wide range of sports. He first excelled in swimming and subsequently gymnastics, wrestling, and boxing in 1928. Imi won the Slovakian Youth Wrestling Champion in 1929, the Adult Championship. In the light and middle weight divisions that year, he also won during the national boxing championships and international gymnastics championship. During the uh, ensuing decades, Imi's athletic activities focused mainly on wrestling, both as a constant and uh, contestant and as a trainer. In his mid thirties, conditions began to change in Bratislava. Fascist and anti-Semitic groups appeared, determining to upset the public order and harm the city's Jewish community. Imi became de facto leader of the group of like-minded young Jews willing to stand up and defend their community, most of whom had a background in boxing, wrestling, and weightlifting. The group attempted to block the anti-Semitic bands from entering the Jewish quarters and wreaking havoc therein. Thus, between 1936 and 1940, Imi took part in countless violent encounters in order to protect himself and others. A story has been told that one time Nazi hooligans came into the university hitting and punching Jews. Suddenly, a young man showed up, confronted them by hitting the and biting them, and then disappeared as quickly as he appeared. The story has spread, and one name came ab- uh, out above the crowd Immi. In 1940, having become a thorn in the side of the anti Semitic local authorities as a result of his activities, Immi left his home, family, and friends and boarded the last immigrant ship that succeeded to escape the Nazis' clutches. The vessel was an old riverboat named the Pencho, which had been converted to uh, carry hundreds of refugees from Central Europe to the land of Israel, then called Palestine, or Mandate of Palestine. The gripping story of the Pencho is its passengers is told in a detailed book, The Odyssey, by John Berman, published by Simon & Schuster, New York, 1984. Amy's private two-year odyssey abroad the ship Aboard the ship, and afterwards, was filled with thrilling episodes. At one point his journey, the ship hit the rock. Imi went to a small boat looking for help, and eventually was found and taken to the, by the British in Egypt. There he underwent several surgeries, and due to an infection on his face that caused paralysis, he was asked by Yitzhak Sadeh to help uh, train the Nito team in the Haganah, one of the paramilitary groups that operated in Israel, prior to founding of the state and the creation of Israel, and teach them self-defense. There's a little gap there. He actually ended up serving in the British uh, Free Czech Army in Egypt for a bit, too. Oh, where was I? So in 1944, Imi finally arrived in Palestine and began training fighters in the area of expertise, physical fitness, swimming, wrestling, and use of knives and defense against attacks. During this period, IMI trained several elite units of the Haganah and Palmach, Strike Force of the Haganah, and forerunner to the special units in the IDF, including the yam a group of police officers in 1948, when the state of Israel was founded and the IDF was formed, IMI became chief instructor for physical fitness Kramaga at the IDF School of Combat Fitness. He served in the IDF for about twenty years during which time he developed and refined his unique method of self defense and hand to hand combat. Amy personally trained the top soldiers. During his service, he married a woman named Ilana and adopted her children. Child, as he did not have children of his own, he always told his students, I do not need children, you are my sons. After he finished his active duty, Imi began adapting and modifying Kramaga for civilian needs. The method was formulated to suit everybody, men and women, boys or girls, who might need it to save their lives to survive an attack while sustaining minimal harm. To disseminate his method, Imi established two training centers, one in Tel Aviv and another in Netanya. Among his students was Yitzhak Rabim, former PM of Israel, assassinated in 1994. They almost had peace until he was assassinated. Shucks. So close. Even during his last years, Emi continued to personally supervise the training of those who had attained high ranks in Krav Maga and spent time with the instructors in Israel and abroad. Emi had monitored the trainees' progress and achievements, capitalizing them with his unique charisma and pairing them with lifelong uh, accumulation of knowledge in Krav Maga and self-defense. Imi, a teacher, warrior, and great human being, passed away at the early morning hours of January 9th, 1998. And thus, the legend was dead, but not his legacy. So, one may walk in peace. Now, so a little bit. Um, so, again, it was sh- sort of shrouded in military ethos for a long time until, you know, Imi and possibly others, most probably others, were teaching hand to hand combat in Israel, right? And in the 60s and 70s, IMI did start making it a bit public, right? And he started sort of globalizing it a little bit in the 1980s. So the IKMA was formed in 1978 under IMI. It is now under uh, Chaim Gideon with the uh, eagle, probably butchering the eagle Ar- Arborov uh, as his number two. And uh, IKMF was founded in 96. Their uh, youth kind of wanted to split off. That's a whole nother story. Um, so IKMA ended up being the more uh, sort of prominent foundation initially, and then IKMF really went global, and then later KMG in 2010, and all the other organizations. You know, Karmi Guy Israel. Uh, there's all sorts of groups that split off. Uh, I am, uh, you know, IKF, you know, IKI, etc. There's tons and tons of groups, all with different focus, in many ways. While the principle should hypothetically stick to Krav Maga, a lot of places decided, uh, we're going to focus on the military, uh, we're going to focus on civilians, we're going to focus on police, right? Some organizations are really good at teaching the military, some are really good at teaching civilians, and some are really de- good at teaching police and security. It depends both on who the head instructor's backgrounds, what their experiences are, and what their goals. Now, I do believe, because I'm doing this with you, UK, that you should complete as as a complete system as you can. As in that, if you start at the beginning and end up at the black belt, you can do all of it, right? You start with civilian skills, basic combatives. You build up to to control and policing skills, and then you start building up to military schools. Because true all-round self-defense requires you to uh, know all of the assets of self-defense, and you know people can sit on their high horses. Uh, in a city like where I live in Vancouver and say, you never need to know that society is past that. And I say, yeah, Mm, what if a meteor hits a planet? Or anything, and you're either dead or you're going to be surviving. You need skills to survive in any situation. What if there's a revolt? What if there's another major pandemic in society? Like, who knows? This is not paranoia. This is possibilities that are still quite probable, and you have to stop acting with a normalcy bias that, oh, everything's going to always be okay tomorrow because it was okay yesterday. This is... Just not true. Don't act like a paranoid psycho, uh, but you know, have emergency kits. Prepare. That includes your self-defense skills. Just because you don't like guns doesn't mean you shouldn't understand them, even from a basic safety perspective. What happens if you find one and you need to pick it up? You're actually quite likely to accidentally kill yourself uh, with it if you don't know what you're doing. Because people often talk. Watch too many movies and assume too many things and get things wrong. Even though some things should be assumed, a lot of things are incorrect. So, that's why you should, as a good Kravist, know all aspects of Krav Maga, including police, how to control people, how to arrest people, how to deal with uh, you know, mob mentalities, etc. How to use firearms. So... uh you have to ask the school you're at or the organization you're at, are they really good at creating a holistic approach or are they just really good at one thing? So, for example, if it just seems like you're doing kickboxing all the time, well, that's probably more civilian and sports-oriented school, right? If they're always working on arrests, uh, controlling people, uh, then it's probably more security and policing. If they're always obsessed with the firearm stuff constantly, then it's probably more military-oriented, right? And the sort of the myth that, oh, well, so this is how you have to do it. It's like, no, not really, because again, if I'm teaching civilians, it's very different than if I'm teaching police. How much time do I have with you, cetera. But before I get too much into that, let's go through the original posts, and I will dissect them as we go. So, granted as it started in the military originally though actually technically civilians though it became famous for the military i'm going to start with kramaga styles a discussion military kramaga styles a discussion military what is kramaga how should you train it what is quote, real and what is not this is a debate for the ages it is subject discussed quite a lot and is an area in which I feel so many people let their own worldview, experience, and of course ego, get in the way. See my series on ego. Certainly, at least from the Imi-Limi lineage, it should be principle-based, evolve over time as needed, and in general be employed so that one may walk in peace. Beyond that, Kramaga is open to much interpretation. Often, it is associated with the military, but the Imi lineage actually started as a means for civilians to defend themselves against the Nazis. It wasn't developed for the military application until later. I decided to write this series after watching another video of a former IDF Special Forces soldier discussing what his Kramagai experience was. The context of this conversation was a discussion of his experience as well as that of the other participant with what was referred to as, quote, original Krav Maga, that being prior to the watered-down B.S. McDojoe-style or often American-style Krav Maga, which most serious people do not consider real Krav Maga, though I see even some legitimate schools or organizations becoming more martial arts than practical self-defense. I thought, why not write an in-depth series to clarify a few things about the differences in military police and civility, civilian civilian should and should not look like, of course, if you ask me, a proper program should not separate everything but rather use a pacing of the curriculum to build up from civilian to law enforcement then later military as application and situations become more severe but hey. Since most people seem to want to make a distinction for the purpose of this series, I will discuss the three applications as such. As this is something I have discussed loosely before, I shall skip an intro post and jump right into the military application, approach, thoughts, etc. Military Kramaga. I'm going to start with my own Kramaga experience during my time in the military. Prior to joining up, I started learning Kramaga as a civilian and developed my skills to get a leg up on basic training. Unfortunately, upon arriving to in the IDF, I was sadly disappointed in my Krav training. Granted, I was in the infantry and not special forces, but still, it was hardly what I thought it would be. I had only about 10 lessons total in the IDF, and several of them were not even when I was in a combat. Even further, and quite ironically, the lessons I had outside of the infantry were while studying at the IDF Hebrew School, a place that had more serious discipline and structure than my actual time in active duty. To be fair, it really depends who's in charge at any given time. Some commanders are in favor of more Kramaga and some less, some for more intense training and some less. But out of all the lessons I had in the IDF, I only learned one new thing and it was fairly minor. At least during my time, the standard Kramaga lessons were 90 minutes, with 45 minutes being more like physical fitness and the rest drilling basic techniques. So why do we always think hardcore military training when we think of Krav Maga? That's because many of the earlier ambassadors for Krav Maga were all former Special Force soldiers. Additionally, when KMG and other such organizations started going global in the 90s, their focus was on the global military units. One, because it's the kind of people many of them were used to training, and two, because militaries have lots and lots of money. So what does Special Force chromaga training look like? Well, it's hard, and it focuses on mental and physical toughness over actual technique. Depending on the unit, time, budget, and of course, willingness to train regularly, units may do sessions from one and a half to four and a half hours or longer, such as all day, sometimes for months on end, or it is condensed course lasting a few weeks while this builds physical and mental toughness and focuses on aggression it severely lacks technical development which can actually hinder a soldier's overall ability in unarmed combat an example of this was a person i know who was not just special forces but black ops who once visited utkm this was in the earlier days when our students were not as developed but when it came to sparring he struggled because though his physical and mental prowess are among the best I have ever seen, his technical development in fighting and unarmed combat was limited despite all his hard training. The why. Okay, so why is military-style Kramaga so focused on the physical, mental, and aggression? Well, the answer is at its base a simple one. If a soldier, particularly a special force soldier, is in a position where they are forced to use unarmed combat, it means things have gone absolutely insanely wrong. They lost their primary rifle, they lost their secondary pistol, and lethal force with a knife may not be an option, at least in the moment. This means that the soldier must rely on their will and ability to never stop to fight out of the bad situation. Because, For a soldier in such a situation, it is probably a life-and-death struggle, so they will need to fight with everything they have. It is this severity of life and death that requires a serious focus on mental strength, physical ability, and aggression. As much of their training is on other tools, like firearms. To defend themselves using hand-to-hand combat is seen as a far more blunt option. Another factor is limiting time. At least the claim of limited time, as many know the concept of the hurry-up-and-wait, means there's probably lots of time in the development of soldiers in the idf infre- infantry members go through 6 to 12 months of training while special force soldiers may have upwards of two years of training prior to deployment In this time there are numerous skills from firearm field maneuvers to specialty training that must occur which means time dedicated to krama training from a technical aspect would take away from any other skills that may be more important the idf at least from what I saw, spends a large percentage of his time training firearm skills, probably why they are so good, and already cuts out a lot of junk, like how to march in formation, most of the time. Because of this, time constraints, it can be difficult to really develop people properly from a technical standpoint, hence the simpler task of focusing on physical and mental development through adversity and, of course, aggression training. Another issue is the potential for injuries, it can cost $100,000 to $1,000,000 USD or more to train a soldier. Naturally, continuous and constant martial arts training or krama-gut training, particularly of an aggressive nature, will eventually result in injury. One even minor injury could derail a soldier's chance to progress, thus wasting the money and time of the organization. In the old days, the 70s for example, you can find videos of bare-knuckle brawling as part of the training, where they freely beat the crap out of each other. While we can read about it and talk about the glorious old days, it really is a stupid way to train, mainly due to the physical injuries and potential for CTE. Now, though, training is tough, they are often fully geared up with protective equipment, gear that is bulky and hard to move in. While it protects the wearer, it also limits their ability to learn proper technical movement and and instead requires people to basically wail on their opponent. This means that without the gear, on average unit like the infantry isn't really allowed to train properly, at least according to the rules, and special force soldiers can because they have the gear. Naturally, the gear changes the quality of training but increases the safety of the soldiers. The how. It should be noted that the aggressive nature of military training from the 40s onward is actually what led to Krav being so successful. Because, at the end of the day, in the real world, techniques fail and it is the pure aggression and willingness to be violent that will lead to survival. As such, this of course must be part of any given military style. Another thing to consider is that when you are training military personnel, it is usually assumed they are already the top 10% or so of physically capable in any given society. This means that you can push them harder, faster, and at a quicker pace without it being an issue. This is why people who throw military boot camps for Kramagai usually push people to their limits, which for civilians may be good, cool experience, but really does not develop much of anything other than a good story. Such training should be reserved for the military units or more advanced students who have developed their physical and technical abilities prior. However, whether it be general advanced training or specific training any military style that leaves a participant in any state other than exhausted and annoyed probably isn't a very good military style kramaga another thing that must be considered when training military kramaga is the increased acceptance of lethality which means there must be training with firearms both dry fire and live fire capacity as a full kramaga program cannot be won without this kind of skill training Aside from this, training must include how to use firearms as a blunt force trauma weapon. They are, after all, just tools and are prone to break, jam, and otherwise malfunction, meaning you may now need to employ your firearm as a simple piece of metal. This means that any military training in Kramaga must show soldiers or participants how to use the weapons in this fashion. This also means that proper training will at times include training with full gear on. After all, it is how you will be dressed when the shit hits the fan, tired and with a minimum of 20 pounds of gear on. Realism is what Kramaga Maga is all about, and any training without this is not good. For me, these are the main components that must be included in a military training. The physical difficulty and mental training as well as the firearms training are a must. After all, this is what people often think of when they think Kramaga. Maga. As well as a need for periodic training gear, full on outside and true life scenarios. However, given the time, say several months, they really should be more focused on technical development of overall combat skills. While aggression is great, trained aggression with technique is even better. Conclusion Military style training is what Kramaga is truly known for. However, it is only one aspect of Kramaga. As so many individuals receive training in the IDF Special Forces various Kramaga programs, these people are often the ambassadors for the system as they are the ones who people who want to talk to and learn from. Remember, though Kramaga in military units has a very specific application to build mental and physical fortitude and train the nervous system to be aggressive under duress, it is not, however, particularly good at developing overall skill and technique in various fighting methods. As such, many people's experiences, while great, do not really translate well over into the civilian world, where people may not be the most physically capable and require considerably more time to develop. While a soldier who is already physically gifted may be able to rely on their natural gifts and often authority to be lethal, civilians do not have this luxury. While a civilian certainly can attend military training, and should during their Kramaga path. If that is your only training, it is possible that this will simply give you an overinflated sense of confidence just because you completed a particularly difficult military course. But the reality is you still lack the skills in development. A person who is trained in the Special Force Kramaga, or just standard military Kramaga, also does not always know how to build programs for civilian and law enforcement world, as their application and needs are different and cannot always rely on pure physical skill and aggression. Military Kramaga training is a must for those who wish to train Kramaga in the long run. But for those, for most, this style of training needs to be built up over years of general development in order that they enter it into being more well rounded. So always operate with skeptical hippo eyes when someone says, I know Kramaga, I was in the military, I can teach you. Because they only know one part of good training and may simply enjoy the thrill of watching you suffer but have done little to properly develop your ability to defend yourself. Written by Jonathan Fader. For training online, visit utkmu.com. If you're in the metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person. Sign up at www.urbantacticskm.com. Okay, so you have a general sense of uh, Krav Maga for the military. Now, first of all... um, it's a myth that you have to have served in the military to be able to teach the military. Uh, just a reminder, I did I say it? I'm not sure. But, like, for example, uh, when they say served in the military, like, what does that mean? Were you in a special force unit? Like, when I went to sniper school, the instructors were uh, actually a bunch of teenage girls who had never been deployed. So they obviously had the skill sets to teach us just fine. So if you are a civilian and you go and get the training, and you're good at it and you drill, you can teach people the skills in the military or out of the military that they need. However, if you're just on YouTube like a schmuck watching dumbass McDojo crap, then no. Now, of course, specifics of military operations will need to be people top by the units that they need, obviously. So but basic hand to hand combat for the application of military is not specific to military. For example, learning to shoot, not specific to military. Learning to shoot for tactical stuff, not specific to military anymore. There's a lot of civilian shooters who are probably better than uh, average military people. And sometimes they were trained in the military and when civilian, sometimes they didn't. I'm just putting that out there. Um, And also just because someone who's in the military uh, doesn't mean they're a good instructor because if they're used to teaching military units, it's a very different approach to teaching the civilians and often they just come out and say, I'm going to do a boot camp and they mess people up and they're not actually teaching them any meaningful skills. Um, So, you know, what I was sort of talking about is if I get physically fit people, so uh, let's talk Israel. Uh, Again, I've said it many, many times physically, I struggled through that, but the infantry was probably top 10, 15% of physical capabilities in Israel, maybe right um and the special forces is through the roof like one percent right so let's say even with the infantry so again i in my infantry unit did about i don't know five or six or seven classes in crown Maga. they were not very intense uh they dealt with what happens if someone tries to grab your weapon your main primary uh, platform or uh, you know someone just tries to loosely grab you uh actually i had you know four or five sessions when i was at uh Oh, mechvelan, which is the army Upan or or education center for people who are moving to the country, and I actually had harder Maga because they ran it more traditional, which is a forty-five minutes, like brutal workout, like run, jump, squats, crawling for forty-five minutes, and then forty-five minutes technique, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and say, let's say you're in the special forces. Um, basically, essentially, they often get you tired and they have you fully geared up and they're just kicking the shit out of you and making you deal with it because the focus in the military isn't necessarily your physical fitness. They're assuming it's already there. It's not necessarily the technical thing. What they really need to focus on is the mental ability to fight through and push and realize that you can fight through things a lot longer than you can. It's completely uncomfortable and it sucks as the Marines... Is it the Marines? Yeah, American military units, they embrace the suck... You need to fight through. So that is actually the main focus when you're teaching military units. All right, somebody else is usually teaching them the firearm skills. You know, They're getting in shape by doing marches. They're getting in shape by doing daily physical activities. So you don't need to stress them. What you need to do is stress them mentally and physically so that they can learn how to fight through. And it's not pleasant. It's literally to beat the crap out of each other. Uh, I've seen vid- videos from special force units where there's one person in the middle and they're just sparring. And they can't leave the middle until the instructors uh, have kept, have, the, have seen what they want. The person's fighting back. And I've heard stories where the person's in the middle for an hour, two hours, which is that shit, right? Objectively, are you doing clean technique at that point? No, not really. Even superhumans can't fight like that forever. Professional fighters struggle to do that. There's a few exceptions. Um, it's about mental toughness. Do not quit, right? People who quit are going to get people who killed get people killed, so that is really the focus, and a story that I often tell, is I have a friend, who will say allegedly was in a very black ops, black ops, black ops unit, and they used to tell me stories about um, their physical training for Krav Maga, and their physical training in general, first of all, their physical training would kill me, but they would tell me, you know, their Krav Maga training would be like three hours long and it sucked one time they came back with no skin on their forearms because they were forced to crawl on the basketball court for who knows how long with someone sitting on their back right that's the kind of thing that they would do and then they show technique and they th- now this individual's mental and physical fortitude is through the fucking roof it's p- p- the best i have ever seen you'd never think this individual was special forces in a million years You know, gawky-looking, nerdy-looking guy. uh, You know, lean, but not super muscular uh, endurance for... I I don't know, I've never seen anyone in person that has that kind of endurance. Anyways, one time, allegedly, they came to visit uh, me early on in the UTKM history. And uh, they were sparring with my yellow belts at the time, and they struggled. And the reason is because the army, including the special force unit, unless you have martial arts backgrounds already, are not really, at least at that time, were not really focusing on building technical fighting proficiency, technical striking, technical grappling. They weren't Mm. focused. Now, I'm sure if you have the right instructor, they may focus on that a little bit because their focus is on mental and physical toughness as the main goal. Because let's think about this. If you're a soldier, and you're using hand to hand combat things have gone absolutely horribly wrong you don't have your primary if you have a secondary you don't have your secondary your pistol uh primary being your rifle you're now doing hand to hand combat you might not even have time to grab a knife right the other thing is military guys if you're doing hand to hand combat there's a good chance statistically that it's a life-and-death conflict because that person knows you're a uniformed military individual and they're fighting for what they perceive to be their life, even if they didn't need to, and it's usually life or death. So your technique is less important than your will to survive and to will to overwhelm that opponent in any way, shape, or form through sheer will and aggression. Right. So uh, let's say you're used to teaching special force soldiers and you open up a civilian school. And then you wonder why you can't keep students. It's because you're kicking the shit out of people whose baseline physical and mental capabilities are so below what you're used to teaching. You need to build them up. It can take years to build the average person up to that. Physically, they might never get there. But mentally, you can certainly do it. I've done it. I've taken people with no physical skill and pushed them to their limits in our testing. It's doable. Right, but you gotta sort of cuddle baby people in. So when often when people say I am teaching military Krav Maga or IDF Krav Maga, well, that's probably just a marketing gimmick because all it really means is they're taking. If you're doing it right, is you're taking Krav Maga principles and applying it to the needs of the military unit. Hey guys, I'm gonna show you how to use your firearm in on, uh, as a, uh, a combative weapon. And then how to re-engage with your firearm appropriately. Or I'm going to teach you how to use your firearm. What happens if you lose your firearm? How do I teach you to use your secondary your pistol as a blunt force trauma thing if it's not operating? And then I need to teach you what if your weapons don't work, right? Use your hand-to-hand combat. Oh, your primary is out. Your secondary is out. Well, at military, you have a knife probably, hopefully. IDF infantry, probably not. I don't think they still do. I carried them. My commanders carried them for a reason pull out a knife now i'm teaching hand-to-hand knife fighting which is not self-defense in a traditional sense uh in a civilian scenario if you carrying a knife for that purpose in a lot of countries it's not self-defense you have intent versus someone who uh attacks a uniformed officer that's probably intent to kill on their part so you're going to have the lethality is is going up and you could be exhausted as a military soldier you could be uh Tired, you could be distracted. There's a lot going on, and you may not have the ability to do textbook technique. You have gear on or whatever, and you just have to use the sheer will and willingness to be violent. And so that's why the training is fundamentally different. You know, if I only have if I have to teach you navigating, I have to teach you physical stuff. I have to teach you this. My kramaga is going to focus on that very specific skill of survive at all costs. Um, because the time it takes to to develop technical proficiency takes a long time. Take muay thai, they do like pro muay thai guys will do like six hours a day just pad striking and cardio, right? Military guys don't have that time to focus on the technical proficiency, so they focus on other things, the aggression and mental ability. But again, if I'm teaching civilians, I have to build them up, and it's not realistic to give them proper skills. Even if I give them the technical skills, uh, the civilian, they don't have the physical and mental ability to implement it in a way that's going to be conducive to survivability. The people who do are people who grew up in traumatic environments or have experienced a lot of violence in their life, and their nervous system is set in a way that they can just turn it on. Other people are just physically gifted, but for much of the um, public, that's not the case. So when you're teaching military guys, Like, usually you want to treat them like crap boot camp style. But if I'm teaching that boot camp style military approach to civilians, if I'm doing it as just an experience, okay, I guess it's, hey, come do a military boot camp. But am I really developing them improperly? No. Right? So a couple things. Instructor does not have to have necessarily served in the military. And if they did ask questions, uh, what unit were you and How much Kramaga did you actually do? What's your specialties? right because in my infantry experience we learned pretty much dick all most of our training was in how to use our firearms lots of that how to use do field training how field maneuvers in large groups right in in our squads in our platoons in our companies in our regiments um, that's what most of our training was infantry for me was about 9 months at the time they always changed it around and then another 3 months of training right Mo- very little cramaga Again, just because someone was in the military doesn't mean shit as far as their ability. The best Krav Maga instructors coming out of the military are people who did martial arts and uh, and, Krav Maga prior to doing their service, learned special force skills, and then understood the needs of the military units and how to apply the techniques appropriate for the scenarios that they need to do, right? Now, again, a big difference in the military is the ability and willingness to be lethal because of the scenarios and circumstances which you're going to be in, which is not the same for police as we're seeing as I'm recording this on April 16th, 2020, and all the BLM stuff and all the abuse of police force, and I just want to point something out that most people criticizing the police have no concept of use of force period and have no business talking about it. I uh, I'm going to talk about a few things because it's relevant to now and maybe in a year or two years when you're talking about uh, it, we may not be re- it may not be relevant anymore. But hey, but first let's uh look into um the blog post crime styles police and military security, police and security. Crombogas styles a discussion. Police and security. Police-oriented Krav Maga may be one of the most underdeveloped areas of Kramaga in general. While it overlaps heavily with security and VIP approaches, as there are many similarities, there are also many differences. While some organizations will excel at teaching police-oriented Kramaga, like IKF or CT-707, others may not, as there is not always a high demand. While military protocols and acceptable use of force are fairly standard globally for military, this is not the case for police and security. What is acceptable in one country it may not be acceptable in another, thus making it difficult to have a general program as well as a win as win specialized contracts. Many organizations do offer VIP security training, which is similar, though things like third party protection will have fo- be more of a focus for security than police. So depending where you are wa- R, you may have to learn military approach and combine it with the security approach, then mix it with other things to put together a good base for policing application. Police and Security Krav Maga. The main difference for police, and more so for security when compared to military application, is the fact that it is considerably less appropriate to use lethal force. Police certainly have the legal ability to use lethal force in the extreme circumstances, but in general it is frowned upon by the public. This creates serious issues when it comes to making decisions. For a security application, it really depends. If you are doing security for the cartels, then you are basically applying military Krav. But if you're doing security at a mall, unarmed, then it is safe to say that your best tool is your pen and paper, and maybe a camera, as your authority to use force is often limited, and lethal is definitely off the table. So what's the big difference this between this and other styles of Krav Maga? Other than acceptable levels of use of force, it is also assumed that punching and kicking people is generally off the table for police and security, which means that this kind of training needs to focus significantly more on grappling skills and arrest and detainment protocol. Arrest and detainment are a large portion of your job. You show up for de-escalation or arrest and control. This is largely why police-specific Krav Maga is lacking, as up until recently, grappling was weak still in the Kramaga world and even if you were in the military, your rest experience may be limited. Thus, it is often assumed other aspects of krav maga can be applied to this just as well. The problem is that when it comes to grappling, you cannot just be aggressive, you actually need the skill, which takes time to develop. It also means that if a police force has the choice between teaching wrestling, judo, BJJ over krav, they will often choose the latter styles, former styles, Uh, as the image of Krav tends to be more aggressive. This means it creates hesitation over the adoption of a program that includes this mentality. The issue with this is finding an instructor that can adapt grappling for police and security situations, which may include a struggle over weapons, which often leads to problematic technique choices and strategies. Experience in the field of application is something to seriously consider when hiring a martial arts instructor for police and security the why so why does it need to be different other than the lethality if it wasn't clear already it's because legal restrictions and public and what public considers acceptable if a police officer or security person simply punches a person to gain control as may be required according to how our nervous system work it may be perceived as excessive force this means that punching and kicking are often not options as the public politicians and lawyers often remove it enter the grappling as a police or security officer's best bet is grappling which ultimately will give control with minimum damage to the opponent and is already on the path to an arrest the key is keeping it simple using basic techniques that have a high percentage success rate for the most people and will function with weapons or multiple assailants any reason another reason why the grappling aspect is more acceptable for this application which goes against our general do not go to the ground rule for crowd Maga is because there is often more than one officer, agent, guard, and it is in many cases not assumed to be a life or death situation. This means you have more freedom to go to the ground while one or more of your partners stands guard and can do ca- crowd control. Having available support is something that is not always possible in the civilian world or practical in the military world, though sometimes needed. So the why is fairly straightforward. Though the training needs to be tough physically and mentally, as it is a tough job, it needs to focus less on aggression and more on control, which ultimately leads to a higher level of skill requirement than the military might need. The how. So how would I run police training? One thing I always ask for, but rarely get, is to start unencumbered and work up the officers' training with their duty gear on, unloaded pistol of course, as it is very difficult training with gear on that without then without usually a fear of injury or damage to mats is often why this does not happen but it should i would also work on training that mixes up the heart rates from high to low high to low in order to simulate a real life policing situation that impacts the nervous system the intensity of this would depend on the physical capabilities of the officer or security being trained often this is much lower than it should be but if someone drops dead during training, it's not very good for business. Given the time, I would show every variation of police-specific takedowns that I teach, whether they be drawn from krav wrestling or BJJ. While Judo is great in many places, it may be considered excessive force, and its high scale requirements make it difficult to teach in a short time. I would also focus on drilling actual arrest techniques against resistance, as this is an area many officers struggle with, particularly right out of the the academy. I would limit myself to only teach specific striking techniques, one that are considered less aggressive, and modified general application strikes. While the regular techniques should be taught given the time as to develop overall skill, if the time is limited, there is no sense in teaching someone a technique that would only get them in trouble it has actually taken me quite some time to create police security friendly techniques from what was traditionally taught in krav maga which shows that the difficulty in crafting police and security training as so many of the normal krav options eye strikes grain strikes etc are no longer on the table conclusion if it wasn't clear in this post it certainly should be clear on my series about policing click on the links one two three four and five that police and security where they are allowed, actually need the highest level of hand-to-hand combat and unarmed training. Unfortunately, as we know, they often receive receive surprisingly inferior training. Unlike the military, lethal use of force is not on the table as much, which means using other tools like taser when possible. But in practical reality, it's almost always going to get physical. A quick search on YouTube can find video after video of interactions gone wrong for the police or security because they want... They were overly, easily overwhelmed by the assailant. Police need more training at more frequent intervals and regular intervals to develop and maintain the level of skill required to be proficient for their own safety and the safety of those they are trying to detain or protect. While it would be great to work on a physical and mental toughness, again due to con- time constraints and operational practicality, more time needs to focus on the technical aspects, in particular controlling another person safely and effectively and learning to arrest those who do not want to be arrested, without hurting them. Perhaps when more Krav Maga instructors become more proficient at grappling and integrated into the programs in a way that doesn't just look like MMA. Then we may see kramaga be adopted as a style more and more by police forces outside of countries that allow police to employ extreme force. Of course, a proper program will integrate this into the training, because at some point even a civilian may need to safely detain someone, even if it just means detaining an out-of-control person at a party until the police show up, something I have had to do before. So, should police training kramaga? Absolutely. However, make sure you know your force's policy, the laws of your country, and what you can and cannot do. In the case that you need to adapt the system, know what your restrictions are and how to modify the techniques and training to your needs. However, keep in mind that even police and security may face life and death situations, so don't forget to train the mental and physical aspects as well as the aggression as much as you can. Written by Jonathan Fader For training online, visit www. If you're in the Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person. Sign up at www.UrbanTacticsKM.com. Okay, so that was police and security. So again, police and security are very similar in application because your goal is to detain and arrest Uh, Police obviously have a lot more ability to use lethal force, if necessary, than security in a lot of places. For example, Canada security basically can't do shit, uh, essentially, which makes it even more fun. Um, You know, in Canada, security is basically a waste of time. I don't know why they have them uh, anymore. They're not allowed to do anything half the time. Some places, yeah, but a lot of places, they have to just call the cops. Like, okay, what's the point? Anyways... So detaining people is the main goal uh, if you're going to have to stop someone, which requires a lot more uh, grappling skills. Um, so like in the army, they don't really want to go to the ground because you could be all over the place. Who knows? Same for police. But when your goal is specific, and they have less gear also, police, when, when your goal is specifically to arrest people, you're going to need better wrestling, better grappling spells, uh, skills, better um, capability, Right punching by the way kicking for the survival of your life is more acceptable in the military though you know that may cause an international incident but it's still more acceptable if you punch and kick in police forces especially in the west that's your job is gone because the public doesn't understand use of force enough and will view that no matter whether it was appropriate or not as inappropriate behavior so most uh, police use of force, you're going to have to take away the striking. And initially, you know, when I was learning Krav Maga, it's, I didn't n- I didn't have enough knowledge of how to teach police because everything I'd learned so far was punching and kicking. And then as I started working with, with other uh, organizations uh, like IKF and CT707 that had a bit more police and security knowledge, how to deal with these situations, it, it makes it a lot easier because how do I take striking out and still keep uh, it, you know, Effective, but that's the reality of being a police officer. And if you don't really, if you're a police officer and you don't do wrestling or jujitsu in your free time, you are a schmuck and you probably should think about getting out because the reality is the less ability you have to be physical with somebody and control or resisting people, the more likely you are going to use your other tools. And as we're seeing, this is very problematic now. Uh, There's a few high-profile cases going on in the States at this time. As I said, this is April 2021. Uh, The Derek uh, Chauvin-George Floyd case is still going on. Uh, We don't know the results. Again, you can hate me, whatever you want to think. I don't think he should be charged with any kind of intentional uh, crime, Uh, unintentional, okay, maybe uh, aggravated assault or whatever. He's being charged with various forms of manslaughter. Etc., but I and I'm not an expert in US law, but again, I watched the entire video. It is not the job of police officers, by the way, to know your personal health history unless it's in their system. All they can respond to is the moment, and they were actually being quite polite, right? So, you know, police use of force gets really complicated, and teaching police gets really complicated the more you understand how to use your pressure and you more practice like as a GI, i've been doing brazilian jiu-jitsu for uh, since 2012 and uh, you know you know i'm i'm a i'm a gatekeeper uh, practitioner at the rate i train if i train more that's a different story but for now i'm a gatekeeper but i'm at the point where i can tell oh i need to relieve the pressure oh i can go they're about to ch- get choked out you can feel it right and so, you know, uh, George Floyd drug overdose is probably most likely, but I'm not an expert. What the hell do I know? But if you don't have the kind of iterations, like Jocko Willings said, uh, police should be training uh, at least once a week fully, like one day of training a week, at least day, not hour, right? Most police need more training because the reality is their ability to use lethal force is, fr- is frowned upon. Even when they do, uh, they usually are not very well trained in Western countries, at least. And Kramaga focus really needs to be more on the wrestling, grappling aspect, takedown, controls, and arrest, right? Again, I don't need to be a police expert to show you how to arrest someone, right? The arresting someone is physical skills. I just need to know how to do it in single partners and pairs, right? Because a heavily resisting opponent, you might need two people to arrest an individual. It's just the reality of these things, right? So... Uh, they need to focus on their grappling skills. They need to focus on their uh, handcuffing skills. Stop uh, with just doing wrist locks right again. I teach neon neck by the way don 't really care uh what they say because as a smaller person that 's a very necessary skill for me as an individual to detain a uh, larger person on their own. If you have two people, then no you don 't need to do that right nor should you be dogpiling either. But as an individual, if I need to do that that 's one of the best strategies I have. Right. And um you know, obviously it's not allowed in a lot of police forces, which is an h- unfortunate situation. But that now means you need to teach people way more consistently. Now, uh recent uh, Wright, Dwayne Wright one, where the woman officer of 20 something years, so she's a veteran, <laughs> shot him with her gun thinking it was her taser. I, I generally believe she thought it was her taser. But what that means um, is that she had a lack of training. How the hell can't you tell that one of them has yellow one of them does not. You don't know what your, your your police duty. Obviously, it's your nervous system panicking, which means she didn't have enough drink, right? So if you're teaching police, you got to emphasize. Listen, I can't teach this in a two-hour seminar. I need you to be guys to be consistent, because the police are actually more likely to get in hand-to-hand a conflicts than uh, military, unless you're doing arrests all the time, or you're in a war zone, obviously. And even then, that's not a good situation. So you know, police. Security has to be focusing a little bit more on the the control and arrest, right? And if you don't know how to wrestle properly because your Krav Maga experience uh, has been mostly stand-up, then you're not going to be very good at teaching police how to control. It's all in theory, right? You know, I've had students who went through police academies, and then they just like, I don't understand how this works, that these techniques don't work very well. They showed me. It's because my students at that time hadn't been focusing on grappling because a lot of people get in their head, I don't like grappling, I don't like grappling, I don't want to do it. But you should be doing, if you're not doing, if if your Krav instructor or school doesn't have an understanding of how to grapple, you or your instructor should be doing BJJ, should be doing wrestling. And then you can adapt it for the pro- policy and protocols that you need. Often, uh, it doesn't happen often in Vancouver, but occasionally I get asked by p- some police or some Uh, unit or some security to teach them. It usually falls through completely because then I'm like, hey, what's your use of force protocol? What are are you allowed, not allowed to do? Can I get that before I teach? Because I want to have a good understanding of what your specific needs are. And it's usually crickets or someone high up the chains uh, doesn't want to bring me in or whatever. And it's just like, oh, how dare you? It's like, guys, you want to learn to get better. You got to bring an outsider sometimes and Sharing your use of force model will only be able to get better. Because if I teach one technique in one area or region or country, it may be allowed in one place but not allowed in another. And it's really important what are your, your use of force policies, right? And also, how often are you guys going to train? Because I feel like, hey, I only have you guys for two hours, and I know you're never going to train again. I'm going to try to cram as much as I can in, but they're realistically not going to get the skills, right yeah and, and and I should just say, simply going to a bJj practitioner and simply going to a judo or a wrestling and say, "Hey, teach us for law enforcement. you may be learning things that are great in unarmed grappling, but it's problematic for use of force applications because they 're forgetting about things right um, there's many, many uh, great instructors out there who are both law enforcement and uh, grappling practitioners, and they understand. The application, the difference, right? If I'm just a, you know, BJJ black belt teaching you jujitsu for, for that, and I have no concept of what your job entails or things that you can't really do or can do, uh, versus that, I may be teaching you an effective approach, right? So there's lots of great, great instructors that n- really do understand because they were police officers and they know how to adapt it. Uh, better. Sometimes they don't though cuz they're just not very creative or don't really understand. Um but it's hit or miss. So you got to really think is this person teaching me grappling or detain techniques that are going to work not only uh in a practical sense, but also from a legal perspective, can I get away with these? And if you if they're not even asking about what's your policy and protocol, what are you allowed to do and not do, they're going to maybe teach you something that can get you fired, right? Um, but bottom line, one thing with the police over the military is they need to practice a crap load more than the military guys do with the Krav and hand-to-hand combat. Um, the example of the woman police officer who shot... Oh, Minnesota, man, come on. Um, the guy in the car, he, now he was resisting, which stopped doing that. Uh, if, uh, it's one of those catch-22, if, therefore, then, anyways... You know, if she'd had significant training, would this have happened? Enough training, right? So you guys need to do a lot more training than that as far as technical training. The military can get away with not because if you're gonna use use of force for lethal force in the police, you better damn well be sure it's justified. Nowadays a lot of police probably even terrified to do that. There's been cases where police have been beaten up. It's not common but it happens or hospitalized because they didn't want to seem like they were being abusive. So at least you guys need to get on your training and if you're going to choose a kramaga uh, individual I recommend making sure they do have some grappling experience not just kramaga so that they can help you a little bit better with your needs and stop doing stuff like cavaliers and wrist locks you schmucks anyways moving on to civilian kramaga application kramaga styles a discussion civilian this style of Kramaga may actually be the most common nowadays, with numerous large organizations like the IKMF and KMG running massive programs all over the world with schools in 200 plus countries. What a civilian program looks like will vary wildly from organization to organization and country to country. It is a topic of much contention as many Kramaga schools, for the sake of money, have become more akin to a belt factory or a McDojo. Which in some cases have gotten given kramaga a black eye, and in others increased its popularity. Civilian kramaga. A major difference between civilian and other styles of kramaga is that it often you are starting with people with no experience, people of all ages and physical capabilities. Some students attracted to the system because they heard Krav is the best, or they want to prepare themselves for police or military careers. Others start on account of an unfortunate encounter, like bullying or assault and they want the power to better defend themselves in the future. Another difference is the use of ranking is a commonplace as compared to styles or organizations that focus more on police and military. I think ranking is a must for a civilian program. This is because humans need goals and a sense of progress, especially in a world full of distractions. While many military and police Kramaga experts turn their noses up at belts, I think this is a mistake. In particular, as your organization grows, people need structure and ranking. It's just a reality. Just like aggression is needed for Krav Maga to be Krav Maga, it's just a reality. The reality of people is what it is. So if you like reality, then ranking is a must for a civilian program. There must be reasonable measures for progress, and you must be able to build people from nothing to something, or as I like to say, from everyday citizens to everyday warriors. The why. If Kramaga is so annoy so anyone can learn to defend themselves and learn to walk in peace, any program must be developed with the widest possible audience in mind. You will get people who are less physically skilled, people of all ages and sizes, so the program must be designed to build people up. This does not mean you can't do balls to the walls training periodically, as without this experience it is not Kramaga. Unfortunately, the reality is that in many countries, people can't or won't train like the military will. Thus, you must build people up physically, mentally, and technically so they can better handle the more traditional Kramaga training as they progress. As mentioned, ranking is a must, because people need a sense of achievement. If you as an instructor want to develop a large group of people, you will need to give them a, a sense of place and progress to your students. The problem arises if you water it down or make it too easy. I have ranking, but my tests are so hard, most people quit after earning their first belt. While this is bad for business, I take pride in knowing I am probably doing something right. Once you have built people up in the various aspects, you can then work on pushing them mentally and physically. Often in the modern times, people do not face as much adversity as they think. They do particularly in the Western world. Driving people to feel what it means to be pushed to their limits is super important to better prepare people, but they must be convinced to do so. Unlike military police, where it is assumed they will do it, the average civilian needs to be gently massaged through the smaller periods of intensity until they can safely put through an hour-long class that is non-stop. In my opinion, this is an area many instructors struggle with. They do not know how to balance their classes based on its composition. How you teach a full class of new people is very different from how you teach a mixed class of skill or a class full of more experienced individuals. One big advantage of civilians is the amount of time on average you have to work with them to develop all of their skills, including technical accuracy. While yes, most people won't stay more than three months, the core of people you will probably have for years even if they only train one day a week. This means that the general skill development becomes more viable and more important, as for most people, the the use of lethal force, while sometimes needed, is generally not on the table, though cannot be neglected. This is why those who train in civilian schools, assuming it's a proper school, often are better overall practitioners than those who are in military units. Though the military individual will often have the advantage in the physical and mental, a civilian may be able to quickly pick apart the technical holes of the military-only practitioner. For civilians, it really needs to be a lifestyle, just like a military one, albeit a different one. The goals are different initially but in the long run someone trained as a civilian will eventually learn all aspects of police security and military application that is of course dependent on the organization and the instructor is available to them the how this is simple while in a military setting i can simply run an aggressive combat focused boot camp and police i can set up scenario and job specific training a civilian program needs a simple well-structured easy to follow on paper curriculum. That develops people from something to nothing, from nothing to something. How this is done and what techniques are included can vary widely. In the UDKM curriculum, for example, white belt beginner is the intro and basic techniques. Yellow and orange continues development of more combative skills such as wrestling and further improves the basic skills. Finally, Green to Black Belt focuses more on the police and military application, as well as more advanced weaponry stuff. Many organizations will hold basic techniques, like the roundhouse kick, at a much higher level. But the reality is, if the kick cannot be learned quickly, early on, as a foundational skill, then it is probably not a very practical technique for most people. Another consideration in civilian program is that it must be principle-based, as originally intended, and not technique-based. Too many organizations focus too heavily on techniques at the expense of the other important things like aggression and strategy. Others simply teach as they were taught and don't actually understand beyond this is how you do the technique. A deep understanding of the how and why is super important for any instructor in the civilian world, and this includes the other aspects of sta or styles of kramaga. For the civilian program, an emphasis is con- on consistency is important. While in the military, it is not a choice. You receive the training you re- receive. And with police, some training is mandatory. But for civilians, there are many distractions, and a student may wane from the path they had originally set out on. An emphasis on development takes time. It because becomes a consistent message, in particular for the average person who isn't naturally talented. Lastly, a civilian program must be balanced and go hard or soft fast or slow depending on who's in the class and what the average stage of development is because people may train for years you cannot always go balls to the walls military style aggression or you will f- destroy yourself but you also cannot always go slow smooth smooth is fast drill work which is common in traditional martial arts styles there must be a balance bringing up all aspects of development from mental physical technical and of course building aggression Many programs fail to do this and only focus on one area over the others, based on the skill set and knowledge of the instructor. Conclusion Most of you reading this probably fall into the civilian category. Even if you do not, you may have limited experience with Kramaga. Whether it was developed, taught to you in the military or elsewhere, a good program must develop aggression and be hard sometimes, must develop. Technical proficiency and must at some point teach all aspects of Krav Maga application from military to police security as well as day-to-day general self-defense. As a civilian looking to train Krav Maga, I advise you that you don't just go to the first school you Google. Look into the instructor, their background and training, and philosophies driving their curriculum. It is a wide and diverse, or is it only from one source? Do they only know? Do they know other styles of martial arts? How long have they been around? Did they have other experiences such as police and military backgrounds, though this is not required? Do they have structured programs, and how is it laid out? Something to watch out for is a structured program that is actually based off of another style. If they don't have a patch system or belt-raking system based on Judo, it is likely they are integrating other styles into their teaching, which may violate the principles of Krav Maga. Another thing to be wary of is this if they are selling military Krav Maga. They may have an awesome pedigree, but there is a good chance they will fail to develop you technically and will only ever run boot camp style class, which for the long term growth really isn't appropriate. Unless you are training for professional application, and even then, you don't always need to go hard. Though if it's not in the program at all, you have a different problem. There are lots, and I mean lots, of garbage schools out there, and even more garbage instructors. Remember, just because someone can do doesn't mean they can teach, and just because someone isn't the best themselves doesn't mean they cannot help you develop. The goal of Kramaga is to learn and walk in peace, so make sure you research and find out what you are looking for. Kramaga for the civilian, however, cannot be casual, though. It is easy to learn to be good enough to defend yourself. Most of the time, true proficiency will require constant training over years. Though it can be argued that slow, consistent training will produce better results overall than hard, condensed training. Since, if you don't lose it, don't use it, you lose it. Written by Jonathan Fair. For training online, visit www.utkmu.com. If you're in the Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person and sign up at www.urbantactics.com. Okay, so civilians. Now, again, most people who walk in the door want self-defense for civilian up. Uh, is that because um, something happened or they just want to learn? Often it's because they want to get ready for police or military, um, etc. Uh, whatever the reason is, the time frame is different. Now, objectively, for any martial arts, you usually... For every person who walks in the door, right, you know, five people will stay for the year and one person will be the one who stays on and off or continuously, right, or more. It's probably a worse ratio than that. But the reality is most people think they're going to be training for years, but they're not. So you probably have people three to six months on average. But the idea of a civilian program should be that I have you for 10, 15 years and you build it around that, right? If you go balls to the walls all the time in a civilian program, like comments, you know, I did uh, a lot of my colleagues who run schools in North America and try to run it like they do in Israel. People can't handle it and they quit, right? Now, you do need to train people like that sometimes, but every day is a bit much for the average civilian. Again, you know, our motto is turning lambs into lions because I'm going to take you into something and turn you into something else, whatever that something is, right? Sometimes, um, Bigger guys, I actually need to teach them to tone down. Sometimes people, I need to teach them aggressive because they have none. Sometimes I just need to teach people body awareness. Anyone willing to put in the time is going to get better. That's why from a civilian, often, honestly, and often civilians are better. If you've been doing Krav Maga and use of force in a proper program where you learn all aspects of Krav Maga from police military, you will have better technical skills than these guys in the military a lot of the time. You just lack the experience and the combat tra- specific training right, um, but you know civilian kramaga should be oriented to everyone, you know oh bell curve, middle of the bell curve, right the guys at the top end often get bored because it's not it 's not enough for them because they want to go with the best of the best to really challenge themselves, and sometimes they stay and they 're fine with with the pace and then there 's the bottom that it's like ah. Uh, There's a certain level of you being on the bottom of the bell curve that you're going to have to put in a thousand times more effort than you want to in order for me to get you to the point where you need to, you can uh, defend yourself in a lot of situations. So I don't believe it's for everyone, it's for those who want to put in the work. Um, Another big thing about. Uh, police, military, and civilian chromaga. Civilians, you need rankings. I'm sorry to the people who don't like rankings. You need damn rankings in civilians. Whether it's a belt like we use or patch, eh, I'm not a fan of the patch system, but whatever. You need rankings because civilians like to feel accomplished, right? That you give out rankings in military for non-chromaga. Why wouldn't you for this? It's a psychological thing. People need a sense of accomplishment and progress. And if you don't want to do that in your organization, I. Uh, I think you got to take your head out of your ass. I understand that there's no belts in the street, but you need to have sort of a baseline measurement system so that people kind of understand where they're at, right? And also want to keep coming. It's both a business decision and also a practical human psychological one, right? So, you know, I'm going to spend time building people up. If I only have them for a few hours a week, then I can build them up slowly, right? Now, military guy, again, I might have for three months straight every day for a couple hours, right? Again, their focus is something else. But with, with civilians, I need to build up your technical proficiency to a very high level. And for civilians in most countries, lethal force is not really on the table most of the time, right? Uh, you know, where we are, we you can't have guns walking around for Canada for self-defense, right? Maybe that's what Montreal and Toronto need just saying Idiot policies, but the reality is, a lot of places you can't do that, so you need really good hand to hand combat skills, right? If you have very good skills re- in boxing, kickboxing, judo, wrestling, all things I cover, knife stuff against the average person attacking you, you're gonna mop the floor with them, right? I want to build you to be better than that, though. I want to be able to keep you keep your own with a professional fighter as well as the street. If I have you for 10 years, you're gonna do okay. Now, you do have to know your physical limits and your mental limits. Like, I'm not a super soldier. I wish. Come on, Captain America. Um, But I'm not. So I have to increase my skill to the point where even a much bigger person than me, right? I still can't get hit hard by a 250-pound guy. It's called physics. So we need to build your skill level up to a high enough level that you can reasonably defend yourself in most situations. Um, So... Civilian programs should be based on a longer time frame over the course of years, developing your physical skills, developing your mental skills, developing your technical skills. We have actually more time to build more well-rounded individuals. Um Again, I'm not a fan of teaching high level stuff to beginners right off the bat, unless it's a, like a long seminar where I can really flesh out the topic. Right, I'm not. I don't like doing an hour long seminar. I like doing four to eight hour long seminars because I can really dive into a specific topic. Yes, is exhausting, but at least you have a better understanding of that topic, not just a delusional small perspective. Right, Kramaga should be easy. I should be able to cover the entireties of uh, a gun self defense and basic use in a day in all reality I, if i have you for 8 hours i can teach you basic pistol handling basic rifle p- handling basic shotgun handling basic disarms and how they all work you know if i have you for an 8 hour period now are you going to be proficient pre- because you know Krav Maga should be like that that i can actually teach you the fundamentals that quick but from a learning perspective uh, are you going to be proficient in that no absolutely not you need to um in the time, put in the iteration, put in the 10,000 rules, right? Again, it's delusional to think I'm going to go do two months of something and be so proficient I can defend myself against all situations. No, you need constantly racing against age and time and physics. Your skill needs to keep going up so that you can deal with increasingly difficult situations in case something were to happen. Of course, the more you, uh, uh better you are at uh, combatives in general, um the better you will be, right? Of course, if you're 100 pounds, you do have to understand that a 250-pound guy is always going to be a challenge for you. But that's where you have to learn to be aggressive. If you're smaller and don't know how to be aggressive, your techniques will only get you so far because you have to be willing, oh, shit, this person's huge. So for, again, some people, I need to build up their aggression and teach them it's okay to hit harder, right? Some people struggle with that. Other people are totally fine and I need to bring them down, right? Uh, with with civilian kramaga, you can actually tailor, th- you know, your curriculum should be pretty set forward, but you can tailor for individuals a little bit more. In in Krav Maga and police, for legal and practical reasons, uh, police and military, you have to have a very cookie cutter approach. But for civilian, I have the time to work on you. I can give specific advice to you a lot more often. I'm going to see you. I can check your development and your progress. We can really um, check hit and miss and all sorts of stuff, right? So... Uh, it's more about the time frame and the less lethal force, though you should teach it. And the other thing is with the lethal force, I should uh, mention is that anyone walks in the door, I have no idea who they are, right? In Canada, I can't do a background check at the door. Um, so I don't know who you are. So, you know, here what I do is you need to get your firearms license, which is a background check if you want to learn the advanced stuff. And that way it protects me legally, but also I know you're not a crazy person. I don't want to teach crazy people the lethal stuff why would I want to do that mentally unstable people you have to have a little bit of discretion if you're an instructor on this stuff you shouldn't be teaching criminals uh lethal stuff basic self-defense hey man and everyone needs to learn it it makes life a lot better but lethal things and police and military tactics you shouldn't be teaching the people that uh have criminal backgrounds or are mentally unstable it's just not smart as you see in the states all the time so you know, you do have to be careful and you can get a better sense. Uh, you know, if you're teaching military police guys, obviously they're vetted. Obviously, there's that. So you can just be like, okay, let's have at her. But civilians, you do need to be careful. I've had a few nut jobs come through over the years, like crazy, crazy people. Luckily, they don't stick around and they got the hint that, hey, maybe this isn't the place for you. But you do have to be careful. You never know who's going to be walking in your door and you need the time to build up the basic skills and assess them as an instructor, too. Right? So, civilian. Because again, I have a longer time frame. I can assess them better. I can build up a better, more well-balanced individual, as long as they're going to stay. And to be honest, if they do everything right and train consistently, and learn all the skills, they'll be better than most uh, military and police guys for the physical application. Again, in real-world experience, policing or uh, military—obviously, the military police guys have experience—but the physical. Combat capabilities, the civilians will often be better because simply the time put in to focus on that skill set. So, before we wrap up, you have to think what is my school and what are they teaching? is my school or organization focusing on policing and arresting? Is it focusing on civilian kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, judo? Is it focusing on military application? What am I looking to get out of? Because, hey, if you're a security officer and your school really just focuses on sort of security protocol, then that's perfect for your needs. Just know you're not getting a complete education on self-defense application and all its forms, but it's good for your needs, right? If you're a police officer and your problem is excuse me, Krav Maga School barely touches grappling or arrest, well, that's not that's not a good place. You're not going to learn what you actually need. right? If you're a military uh, guy and the person doesn't know how to use guns properly, that's not a good instructor for you because they don't understand the application that you need, you need it for. right? Uh, again, a military application depends place to place, unit to unit, uh, military to military, certain things are different, but the general concepts should be universal. And if you're civilian, it's like, is there a path to progress or is just another one of these schools that, hey, they run a course. Okay, cool. And then what is there a path to development and progress? If there's no path to development and progress, it's probably not a good school for you. If it's simply kicking and punching a bag and there's no development or coaching or mentorship, it's not a good civilian school, in my opinion right if they're simply beating the crap out of you all the time being aggressive in the typical military fashion i don't think that's a appropriate for day-to-day all the time constantly in a civilian kramaga school right if it's a once a month thing okay but you need to say what are my needs what do i need what are my goals does the instructor and the school and the organization have the ability to teach me kramaga in a way that suits my goals and needs right again my approach white through orange basic unarmed and Basic st- self defense combatives, uh, uh, green and blue policing application, brown and black uh, military, and just reiterating, reiterating, really building up to be people. Like as a civilian school, I don't need to be teaching uh, amazing military qualities people, but I, they should have a general concept, right, of how to do it. And you can say, oh, that's not self-defense. Well, in the absolute worst case scenarios, say a school shooter or a messed up situation like that, it is self-defense. It all depends on the application, right? So you need a complete education, I believe, if you want to be fully prepared for any and all potential self-defense. Now, we don't need to go crazy with them in a civilian school, but they need to be aware of them. My focus at civilian school is basic combatives, physical and mental strength, and progression, right? Once they understand how to control and deal with other people effectively, the, the, the police and military stuff actually comes really easily, right? And then you just do it once in a while, right? So that's something to consider. Mm, uh, whether you're looking for a school or you're training at a school or you're looking for an organization, etc., just consider that how you teach specifically for these three different groups is actually a little different because the application is different so food for thoughts so thank you for listening and of course if you want to support us blog forward slash support us and our social media Urban Tactics Krav Maga on Facebook and Instagram and Urban Tactics KM on Twitter though I barely use it anymore Twitter but it's there and uh, if you're in Metro Vancouver you can check us out at urbantacticskm.com thank you for your time and if you support us super thank you for that you're listening to the Warriors' Day. Warriors' Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lands into lions.